Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast, souping up the homo sapien. Welcome to Level Up Human, the live podcast show where we try to make humans better. Like, not in a self-help book section kind of way. No, we're talking with spanners and radioactive spiders and that kind of thing. More genetic engineering, less narcissistic use of Pinterest. That's what we're kind of after. With the help of our guests and our live studio audience, we want to develop a design spec for Human 2.0. Let's welcome our guests. On my left, we have Nick Hawes. You're a robotic scientist, Jess? I, I am indeed, yes. No, you're not a robotic scientist. No, scientist no. Mm-hmm. Work, How would robots? we know? Um, because we're really bad at making robots right now. So uh, <laughs> the fact that I haven't fallen off my chair is a sign that I'm not a robot. <laughs> I love that you said we're as well, devolving responsibility. Yeah, for it's the community. Things. I'm a scientist. I like These that. people in the audience are part of my team. That's why. Welcome. Geeks United. Here we are. Uh, We're also joined by Daniel Ward, a stand-up comedian, writer, and the former economic researcher at the South Korean Embassy. So presumably she was there to calculate the budget for Ferrero Rocher. (laughs) And our final panelist, we have got video games journalist Cam Robinson. Uh, That's right, he's the Trevor McDonald of pressing buttons really, really fast. Please give them (laughs) all a warm, warm welcome. Okay, let's get straight into this. To give you a kind of uh, idea of what's going on in the real world at this very minute, before we leap into the realms of the future, our panel have brought along some suggestions in the form of news stories. So let's start with you, Cam. What's grabbed you? Well, um, skin that feels. Now, before you say we already have that, well, yeah, I don't mean for us, though. I mean, there's been this huge... um, there's always incremental breakthroughs when it comes to prosthetics. And that's always what I look at when I get really excited about making myself better, is how can I replace this stupid human arm, which is, gets bruised and is sore and tired, and I've got a sore wrist at the moment from like gym and stuff. Yeah. How can I improve this with a, with a... I know, but did I mention I go to the gym? No, um, how can I improve that with um, like a robot limb? And um, there's a really interesting article that I was reading all about how scientists have developed this this material and hooked it up to um, brain cells of mice and using carbon nanotubes, it's always carbon nanotubes, this can now detect pressure, relative pressure, convert that into an electric signal and feed that back to the mouse brain cell. So giving this 
and this is, sorry, embedded in this kind of artificial skin. So now giving the ability for, for touch, because that's obviously one of the things that most prosthetic limbs that you get today don't have. They don't have that ability to give that force feedback. Um, so that's really exciting. So, you know, step however many years down the line, that's one step closer to getting a better arm, right? Because you need to have that sense of touch. And along the way, somebody's bound to turn that into an internet sex toy. Well, of course. <laughs> because it means you can have effectively your skin elsewhere as well, surely. If you can... God, yeah, you could. That'd be, that'd, that'd be kind of strange, though. That was awed silence from our audience <laughs> as you started seriously contemplating that. Match.com will be on to the next thing. This has gone downhill quickly. Yeah, very quickly. <laughs> um, to that end, Danielle. Um, what have you come up with? Uh, I think this is quite lovely, actually. Uh, Disney have been working with a company called Open Bionics to make prosthetics for children, um, and they've come up with three different prosthetic arms. One is an Iron Man arm, one is a Luke Skywalker arm, and the other one is an Elsa from Frozen arm. I don't know what that one does. She hasn't got that many powers. Um, but it's, it's so kids, rather than if, if they need a, a prosthetic limb, rather than it being something clunky and ugly, hmm. it's now something really cool that they get to show off to their friends. But presumably it doesn't come with killer laser death rays or things like that. Well, right. not until they're 14. Okay. Yeah. It's good that we have these standards. In the US, it would be very, very different. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nick, what about you? Um, and actually, it relates to the US stuff being different. So, I'm really excited about autonomous machines in our lives. And one of the, the places it's going to happen soonest is autonomous cars, so self-driving cars. And most manufacturers are slowly rolling out these prototype cars they can test here and there. But Tesla have just released an over-the-air software update, which is not the most sexy thing. So you get up updates on your phones all the time. You get app updates. They've just updated their car OS, their car operating system. And it's turned it from a car into a self-driving car overnight. So. Two of the models of Teslas can now autonomously drive on the motorway. They can autonomously change lane just by flicking a switch up and down. And they can autonomously park themselves. Yesterday, they could do none of that. And so the exciting thing is both the improving humans by having autonomous cars, but also the fact that in the future, your car will suddenly change its behavior through a software update. And as a computer scientist, that fills me with excitement. Uh, can this be used for evil? Um, <laughs> as much as anything can be used for evil. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very much in the view that, that AI and robotics are, are just a tool. And if, if evil people use those tools, then yes, they can be used for evil. Like an Elsa arm, right? That could be used for evil in some... <laughs> in some she, can, she can shoot ice. That's her power. You've spoiled it for me now. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> constantly, surely. <laughs> OK, well, everyone, that's the kind of stuff that is already out there. But we want to look a bit further ahead. We want to try and make humans that bit significantly better. So each of our panel have made suggestions. Uh, we'll kick off with you guys, and then we're going to go to the audience. So back to you, Danielle. What do you think? What would be your pitch? What would you like to see humans doing in the future? I would like humans to have um, armor plating like an armadillo. Why yes, armad you laugh, but <laughs> this is inspired by um, <coughs> that guy who shot an armadillo, and the bullet ricocheted off and shot him. What? This is brilliant. I've read about this. This, this is true, isn't it? absolutely brilliant, yeah. So imagine... How great it would be if we all had armor plating. Retractable, probably. I mean, Rather I don't... A bit clunky and unsexy <laughs> most of the time. I don't know about you, but I, I don't get shot daily. No. Well, but you are obviously not a man of like colour in America, are you? <laughs> that is true. If you look like an armadillo, obviously this happens as well, though. So you're just inviting trouble if you don't have armadillo armor. I think it would be great. You'd be, you know... Really hard. Could it be selective? So I, I stub my toe a lot, and yeah. I stand on Lego a lot. 
So if I could have some kind of protective, just, just for feet, that would work. You know what you should do? I mean, you should put some shoes yeah. on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing there, I think. Then why aren't we all just wearing armour? There's, I'm all for using armadillos for virtually anything, because um, they are amazing. The only downside to armadillos, they're the only creature in humans known to have leprosy. Oh. So, yeah, so there's probably a downside to being overly armadillo-y. Well, we, but we already could get leprosy. It's not like you get double leprosy if you've got an armadillo. But then your scales will fall off rather than your fingers and things. Not great oh, I haven't thought it through. Can I <laughs> make my second pitch, which is glow no, no, in the dark no, no, genitals? No, we're doing that. <laughs> not really. Actually, if it is, go ahead. <laughs> Could we do a quick survey in the audience? Who would like glow in the dark genitals? <laughs> Come on. Because again, this is actually something that's already available in the form of glow in the dark condoms do exist. So there is a market out there for that, you think. And you can make all sorts of... Because no, genetic engineering is allowing us to make all sorts of creatures glow-in-the-dark and all sorts of things glow-in-the-dark. There's a protein from jellyfish called green fluorescent protein. Yeah. And they've made glow-in-the-dark cats. So I'd rather have that in the genitals. But, and make your own pun there, if you wish. But there's a... Yeah, this is possible, theoretically. We could do this. But would we want to? Is this for like drunken liaisons in the dark bedroom and no, so we just make it a bit more efficient? You know when you can't find your penis? <laughs> All the time, every day. For those situations. Right. There could be a benefit. I can't think of any actual one. Okay, I think we should move on. Well, I just think, you know, for fun. You don't have I'm just thinking, what you know, color? come on, guys, let's shake it up. It can't all be about, you know, making humans better intellectually or in terms of strength. Sometimes you just want a little bit of whimsy. Glow in the dark flaps. <laughs> Sold. Nick, what about you? Oh, actually, hold on. I have to reiterate because we will be voting on these later. So that was glow in the dark flaps. Seriously. <laughs> glow in the dark genitalia and armadillo armor. Combined. At the same, why yeah, not? Yeah. Do you know what? I just really like armadillos. I used to volunteer at London Zoo, and the armadillos are my favourite animals. Really? They're really inquisitive. Out of all the things to choose at London Zoo as well, you went for armadillos? They're all really cool. Why? They were just really inquisitive. There was one called Jack and one called Marion. They had to keep them separate because they were brother and sister, and they, but they just still tried to do it, you know? Because they were so inquisitive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, they're really, they're just really... Um, I mean, obviously, these were animals that we, you know, that you take out and show to kids. So they were the ones that had been handled quite a lot. But um, on my first day, I met the armadillos. They were really lovely. I met the meerkats, and one of them bit me on the leg. I had to go to A and E. Yeah, those adverts are wrong. <laughs> they are not that friendly, and they don't wear smoking jackets. Yeah, yeah. and then you wouldn't trust them to run a reliable web business either, would you? Let's no, be honest. No. Um, okay, so that's armadillo armor and glow-in-the-dark genitals, possibly. Nick, what have you got as a suggestion? So I'm, I'm going with automated travel for everyone. So autonomous cars, autonomous taxis, autonomous buses, everywhere. So we waste a lot of our lives driving, sitting in queues, high death rates from, from car accidents, people being run over. If we automate everything, then we get the intelligence of computers, of artificial intelligence, making everything more efficient, using less energy, it's easier, so instead of owning a car, you just you know, press an app on your phone, the car appears, it takes you to work. During the day when the cars aren't taking people to work, they can take old people around to the shops. Total utilization of transport makes the human race better. Because the thing which is most useful about that is there's something, I hope I got the start right, but something like 90% of cars right now are doing nothing. Yeah. So we don't need as many of them if, if we really think of it like that. If, if we just use the ones we had more efficiently, yeah. That'll be better for the environment, better for everything. You say all automated travel, then. Are you really suggesting that we all get segways? 
Yeah. But like little two-person things, maybe. It's got to be a bit of social. So one of the reasons I didn't go for teleportation, which is my, that would be the kind of extreme version of, of automated travel, is that it's quite nice to travel somewhere, and it's quite nice to travel with someone else. So I'm, I want to get some of the process still there, but I don't want to have to own a car or have an MOT or clean up child sick from the back and things like that. Do you get really excited by the DLR? <laughs> is it bad to say yes? No. I've only been on it once. It was last week, and I was really? like, "This is this is." Did you sit at the front? Uh, well, I didn't know what to, I didn't know it was a thing until I was on it. I was like, looking around, going, oh, this is kind of automated." My, my cool. first time in London, I went to be the driver of the DLR as a sit at the front. Yeah. yeah it is. It is it's a thing. Fun. It's still fun. I'm yeah. 37. It's still a lot of fun for me. I'm still not yeah. in the sideways though, because if you see people out using them, it's like but, watching a kind of organic Dalek but not then, building up the curve. <laughs> but then automated. So, I, I mean, you're driving those things, and part of the ridiculousness is looking really serious while toppling on top of this box. But if you just had, so they're testing these cars in Milton Keynes that are like, like half a smart car. They're just two people half could sit in. a stupid car. <laughs> and it would take you from A to B, um, as long as A to B doesn't involve any complex maneuvers in between at the moment. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's quicker than walking. And Milton Keynes is not exactly known for not having complicated manoeuvres. <laughs> yeah. It's one big roundabout. It is. Now, it I was reading about automated cars, and um, it was saying that you would have to program into it whether in the event of an accident, mm. the car saves your life. Yes. Yeah. Or, or 10 other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this, yeah, this is a classic moral dilemma. So you've got, um, and there was some, I think it was in the, the Institute of Economics in Toulouse or something. They, did, they went and surveyed people. Well, they surveyed, they surveyed people, mechanical Turks on Amazon. So these are people who are paid to sit around and answer questions. So I'm not sure they're, they're representative of the whole of society. But they, they said, well, we need to deal with the ethics of autonomous cars in advance of selling them. And so they asked people, should you have to make a decision? You know, how would you want your car to behave? There's a crowd of 10 people across the road. And by some fluke, you're in this situation where you've only got two options. Either you plow into the 10 people, or you hit a wall and you die. Are they all wearing armadillo armor? <laughs> they're not. But it's dark and their genitals right. are glowing. Um, <laughs> okay. It's like cat size, right? It's fine. Um, the, um, the, uh, Don't ruin cat size for me, please. <laughs> Where are we? Um, You'll put your cat size out for that. That's indeed. Uh, so, and, and of course, everyone. So the, the this kind of utilitarian approach is you say, well, the good of, of the many outweighs the good of one. So, of course, I want my car to crash to kill me, not the 10 people. But, of course, all the people said, well, that's, that's how I want everyone else's cars to behave, but I want my car to kill them, and I want to survive. <laughs> so... Capitalist cars. Yeah. Wow. These, these are the moral dilemmas. So they, they, were, they were asking, you know, what is the makeup of the crowd that changes it? And it's like, you know, if there are kids in the car... Would you hit a group of adults rather than kill the cat? Or if there are obese people in the group, does that make a difference? You know, their, their life expectancy is lower, so we'll, we'll, we'll mow them down. I mean, if you haven't heard of tram car dilemmas, these things are great. These are things that are kind of classic moral dilemmas where people pose these situations and ask, you know, who should live or die? And it means you won't need an airbag, you'll just need a four-year-old in your car as well. Like everybody travelling along with safety children to yeah. make sure that the car chooses them yeah. over the others. This has got dark, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, in that case, our pitch number three is Nick with automated travel. Cam, we're over to you. All right, so um, because my kind of background in video games, I thought I'd steal an idea from a video game rather than coming up with it on my own. Um, and uh, in the video game Deus Ex, does anyone, anyone know that game? Play it? 
One, one person waving at me. Good, yeah, here we go. Um, so in that game, you have lots of uh, different augmentations that help you be all stealthy and do the game, but also one thing you have is elbow blades. And I think that elbow blades could actually be quite useful. Now in the game, they're mainly, oh, yes, they're mainly for stabbing people. I'm not, I'm not advocating the stabbing of people with elbow blades unless you really have to. Um, <laughs> but, but, excuse me. What else are you going to use? What are you going to do? Well, you say that, Cutting but... vegetables. Yeah. Think about how many times in your life you need to, to cut, again, not people, things, yeah. right? How useful would it be to just have, like, a blade in your elbow? You're preparing dinner. Where are the fancy knives? No need. Elbow blade. You know? <laughs> you're, right? you're thinking that this sounds ridiculous. There's a creature out there called the horror frog, also known as the... Uh, Wolverine frog. It doesn't have any claws, but if it gets attacked, it breaks its toe bones, pushes the toe bones through its skin, and uses those as claws. Pretty much that, yeah. So nature has already got there, man. We've, we've got go. a means. Right, so we've, we've already got proof of principle. So, um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, how many times are you greeted with situations when just even just built it, like, you know, you don't get that label tag of the new clothes, you know, just, right? It could be, I think it could be very useful. Wouldn't carrying a pair of scissors do the job? Yeah, yeah but you can't run with them. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> why only blades? Why are you not going whole hog and getting, like, Swiss Army elbows? Oh, God, that is better, isn't it? Yeah, that's much better. All right, that, that one. That's Should my new idea. Swiss so, Army elbows, yeah. Deus Ex Swiss Army elbows. There we go. Okay, so our panel have come up there with four ideas. It is now our wonderful audience here at the Science Museum's turn. Uh, you guys have been flicking through the ideas that we've yes. got here. Mm. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, if some of you put your names on, we may come to you, and Rachel will record them. Is that okay? All right, so uh, why don't we start with you, Nick? Was there anything that grabbed your eyes? Okay, yeah. Um, Was there one? With a name, yes. Yes. So, Damien Gauchi. Is Damien here? Okay, so we should install unisex toilets everywhere. So women shouldn't have to wait like, or shouldn't have to queue and just use men's bathrooms. We've gone from elbow blades to the suggestion that we should put unisex toilets everywhere. But there was a, there was a, there was a second part, which is to increase empathy between the sexes. And this would basically do away with all forms of violence, domestic violence, you know, competition, just I, by sharing the same bathrooms. I think that's excellent. Has anyone seen Ali McBeal? Yes. <laughs> Was, did it end happily? Because they have unisex toilet, don't they? But only in one building, not everywhere. Okay, yeah, okay, then we're taking that far. What do you, feel, what do you guys think? Isn't that improving toilets rather than people? <laughs> no, but that's, that's, the argu- that's the argument. That, that if, 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 if people are forced to share more intimate spaces, they get a better appreciation of, of other people's needs, they become more empathic, war ceases. This, this is not true, though. <laughs> Just there's something in between. On the tube, you're forced to share each other's space. <laughs> like, I have, I have spent about half of my life recently inside an armpit with the feeling of it. Well, well don't worry, because I have a suggestion here which will fix that. Okay. And this one might be the, f- the best beginning to a, an intro ever or an idea ever. And it simply says, magnetic feet. Coupled with oppositely charged escalators, so people stand at the left. <laughs> <laughs> and that was from Tom. Sorry, Tom, I read that for you. So hold on, magnetic feet. Spe- so do you know your automated travel? Yeah. Can we copy these two suggestions together? Mm-hmm. Like, can we have moving magnets underneath the ground? Yeah. Like, you know those kind of toys that you had as a kid? Yeah. But then that, you still have to have... The, the, the road would have to know where you're going. 
to, to, to automate the travel. So we need a smart road as well. Mm. A previous suggestion on one of our podcasts that we could couple with this was, I think it was the introduction to of fast moving lanes on pavements, like an overtaking lane on pavements, so we yeah. can deal with slow, slow people. So I used to live in Edinburgh during the festival. We need that. Like that was awful. This should be like a tourist lane, a, a slow lane, and then the people have to get to work lane. But this is this is the opposite of this suggestion. So what you're now saying is we should segregate everyone. With, with, <laughs> but, hey, uh, but then when they go to the toilet, they'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Everyone has a different agenda, has to live is, in a different space. Is there still cubicles in this toilet, or is it just like a big hole that we all share? <laughs> if we're talking about getting intimate, it depends which country we're in. But uh, <laughs> if it's the UK, cubicles. France, we're too shy. France. 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 I was just thinking. From my childhood. Bad camping experiences. <laughs> I'm thinking more about this magnetic feat, so forcing you to be in the right place in the escalator, because I'm from Northern Ireland. When I- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Go home, I have to remember the people in Northern Ireland think that escalators are rides. So that's as exciting as it gets for us in some places. So they, they stand on both sides and enjoy it, like they approach it. They forget the point is to speed you up, perhaps. I actually would like it. Could we not just have escalators everywhere, like moving pavements? And then, like, in the middle, you could do the most awesome high five as people are going at speed past each other. The travelator at Waterloo is more fun than it should be. There's a travelator. You know, when, you oh, yeah. to, when you're changing from the Bakerloo line to the Jubilee line, it's like a long travelator. I don't think long. I've ever done this. I thought travelators were in gladiators and nothing yeah. else. No? no? Cool. Really good. Cool. All right, it's the most fun I've ever had <laughs> <laughs> at Waterloo Station. <laughs> Actually, in that case, can we add to our list? So that's my, there was unisex toilets everywhere there. There was magnetic feet. And why not just travel letters everywhere? Yeah. I've got a feeling we are getting less and less exercise in our future here. Yeah, let's just take our feet off and put big wheels on there. You can't say that in this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. Foot <laughs> wheels, we're going for it. To that end, Danielle, what grabbed you from our audience? Um, was there a this, person there? Yeah, it's John Gulledge. Can we come to you, John? Where are you? I really like your suggestion, John. Uh, I said that I'd give people gills. You'll give people gills? 
Why did you like this, Daniel? Because I'm really, really scared of open water. Um, partly for drowning, partly for cracking reasons. Um, <laughs> I really like. I, I'm so ter- like I'm fascinated but terrified by the deep sea. Um, one of my other things that I wanted to come up with was one of them lights like the fish have. I thought that would be fun as well. But going the dark uh, genitals seemed to cover that. Um, I think it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. You're enticing in a mate and yeah. then doing it with your elbow blade. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the freedom and the peace of being able to swim is... I mean, it's, I'm, so, I'm such a terrible swimmer. I don't like to put my head underwater. And having gills would be... I mean, it's the nearest you get to flying, isn't it? No, Without flying. <laughs> um, John, can we take this a bit further? Because I'm, I'm intrigued. So if we're going to have gills, like, um, I was about to say we've all seen Waterworld, but nobody saw Waterworld. We've seen gills. Very different film. But the thing is that his gills are hidden behind his ears. Would you be happy to have visible gills? Because for a body our size, you're going to need quite big gills. How do you feel about that? I think they'd be better if they were retractable. If you can just kind of get them out when you're in water and then <laughs> put them away when you're not. So whenever you get beach body ready, you get your gills out. <laughs> <laughs> there could really be something to this. Not many people actually know what gills are because uh, um, they're a respiratory surface, the thing that you breathe through, right? If it folds inwards, we call it a lung. If it folds outwards, it's a gill. So there's plenty of creatures out there that do go... Uh, as you're suggesting, have both of them. Like, if you look at axolotls, axolotls have got both gills and lungs. And, and a lot of them... What's an axolotl? It looks like Benedict Cumberbatch. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine a tiny Benedict Cumberbatch and that's an axolotl. OK. It's, it's Mexican, but now you're picturing it as being posh as well. Yeah, it's wearing a suit. It's, it's a, <laughs> the best dressed of all the amphibians. It, yeah. It's a cuticular breather as well, so it can breathe through its skin too. That's a more common one. How would you feel about breathing through your skin instead? That's an alternative. Yeah. <laughs> he's seen Goldfinger. He's not going there. Ah, oh, for a point. Um, all right, cool. Uh, we'll come back to you, Cam. You pick one. I'll take. Yeah. Well, well um, I just want I want Matthew. Uh, Greg Sellers, sorry, just totally butchered oh, your name. Oh, handily right there. Uh, to to explain to explain this one. It's simple, but I don't quite understand. Oh, actually, hold on. I should just check. We got our list there. So, adding to foot whales and the travelator. What was your name, sir? John. John. We have gills. Gills for all. Okay, Matthew. Um, so I suggested having oxygen-producing hair. Oxygen-producing hair? Yeah. What was your reasoning behind this? Well, you know, with the... Like, there's a lot of need for more plants, but at the same time, if I had oxygen-producing hair, maybe I would have some more hair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cameron, both of you appear to be follically challenged, shall we say. So, is is this the reason... Our panel is going to run out of oxygen pretty quickly. (laughs) We're in trouble. We have deforested um, down here. What do you, why did this attract you so much? What do you think goes well, to it? Yeah, well, I mean, I want to know more. Like, I want to know more about the thought process. Like, is, do you feel like hair just doesn't do enough? And therefore, it needs to earn its keep? Like, is that what this is? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Because once again, there is a logical place to take this to. Um, the, the natural world provides us inspiration again. So you all know sloths? Sloths grow algae in their hair, and they use it for camouflage. So it actually even changes seasonally. So whenever they need kind of brown camouflage, they farm the brown algae. 
Uh, they even eat it. Now, algae being a plant would mean that if you were happy to grow algae in your hair, you would have oxygen-producing hair. What do you think? Possibly slightly green and skanky as well, I should point out. You're willing to take one for the team? <laughs> would you be willing to take one for the team, Cam? Green hair, you say? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I'm not convinced. No convinced. I mean, but I like the idea of it also being dinner, but then I'm just going to wind up back here. So <laughs> that's the problem. Well, I, I, uh, so the Ugly Animal Society thing that I run, um, the three-toed sloth was elected as the mascot for Bristol. And I think that might be because Bristol has got quite a few kind of crusty hippies who probably have got algae growing in their hair already anyway. Uh, right. So they felt a kind of affinity to it in some way. What do you think, Daniel? Um, well... It's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a noble cause, oxygen-producing hair. Um, what's the rest of you like? Have you got a very hair, are you a hirsute chest? And how about further, further down? Is that, are you, are you a shaver or a saver? <laughs> Obviously a saver with this suggestion. Where does the algae stop? Um, I was going to say something awful then, and I remembered it was being recorded. Just, you know, if you did produce oxygen and you were underwater and you had to do the body system, someone's <laughs> tank's gone. Just saying. You've got a lot of hair down there. If <laughs> <laughs> your gills are malfunctioning, don't worry. I'm just wondering how flammable it makes you as well. Oh, because you're producing, that's because you're producing oxygen and you're kind of under the duvet and you kind of wake up and have a cigarette or something and you're... Bang. Yeah, well, if you're a lady and you use L-nets, you're in yeah. the same situation. If we're going to go the algae thing, though, we're also going to have to have uh, light. That's important, but I hadn't mm. thought of that. So we're going to have to spend more time outside to farm your particular follicle farming techniques. I had green hair when I was 17, but it was an accident. Oh, was it an accident? Well, because... It was like Incredible Hulk-level accident. Yeah. Gamma radiation. <laughs> um, I, wanted, I wanted a lovely blue streak in my hair. But because my hair's very dark, when they strip it out with the bleach, it went yellow, and then I put the blue on, and it was green, and it was not attractive. Maybe, can you explain this? Because you know where blue rinses exist? Like, yeah. what age do you hit? Like, you're, now you've, you're a lady, you've turned to 18, and you think, this is the time to go punk. Like, why does that happen? Uh, it's about um, taking the, uh, the tinniness out of the... Um, you, you know, like, if you, go, if you go blonde, you wash your hair with a violet shampoo. Cause it I takes, didn't know that. It takes explain. the brassiness out of the hair. So it counteracts the brassiness. That's what, um, when old ladies use a purple rinse, it's actually a shampoo for blonde people, and it takes the brassy tones out of your hair, and it, it, it uh, counteracts that. Research done in the laboratoire, I yeah. think, got it. I mean, I'm no scientist, but I do know about hair. <laughs> oh, cool. Nick, what else grabbed you? Um, this is Shengzhan Zhao. Cool, do you want to read this out? Do you yep. want to report? Yep. So you gave two, I've selected one for you. Ah. Um, uh, my suggestion is that we can make the human in a smaller size, like in a micro level, so you don't need to worry about the resources anymore. Ah, so you just want to make smaller humans so we take up less room and less resources. This is actually a brilliant idea for our, yeah. our growing population and planets. Yeah. Why did you pick this, Nick? For, for that reason, it was just it's kind of a cute vision of just make everything smaller. How small are we talking now? Mic micro size. He did oh, wow. that. Okay. Yeah, like tiny. Shrink everything down. Like Ant-Man. Like Ant-Man. Like Ant-Man. Yeah. This is a, this raises a question. How small can a human be? I've been wondering this actually. Like, what's the smallest that we actually can be and biologically function as a human? 
because you have a problem that the well the bigger you get so the smaller you get the more your muscles work proportional to their size but you would get weaker right. like an automatic thing so when people say about fleas if they were the size of a human they could jump the Empire State's building that's just not true because you're, you're, as you get bigger your weight of your muscles increases faster than the pyro output that comes with it would you have everybody getting smaller or just some unlucky people? <laughs> yeah, because whoever takes this up is just asking for a fight. Like, if the rest of the... Whoever leads the way and is the pioneer... Yeah, it's like, sure, we'll shrink ourselves. You go first. Yeah. yeah that's so you get a little flea circus. You shrink the clowns first. And then, you know, somehow... I, there's a logical follow-up somewhere. It's relatively easy, actually, as well, because like, nutrition is one of the first things that's, that's created... So humans are getting taller and taller and taller at the moment, and it's because we've got good nutrition. Mm. Like, if you go back to the... Oh, the Norman era? Because of the feudal system of things, people weren't eating as much and weren't anywhere near as big. So we could just malnourish everyone if you'd like that. <laughs> could we tessellate as well? Do you think that would be a better idea? <laughs> so we all fit in perfectly well. So smaller oh, yeah. people. Oh, yeah, Den increasing density of human beings yeah, just in for, some way. For ease of stacking. Yeah. When, when the aliens, or when the AI takes over, they can just farm us a lot more easily if we tessellate and are small. Okay. So I'm not doing my people. career any favors. That was a little bleak. All right. Thank you for those suggestions, everyone. Please give yourselves a massive round of applause. Now, before we review all the different ideas and we take a vote and let democracy do its thing and ruin the next five years, um, we're going to have a quick game. This is called Splice of Life. So, panel, I am going to share with you three animals. Uh, Danielle, would you do us a favour and actually ex describe them for our listeners at home? Okay. So what if it's the thing that I don't know what it is? I'll, I'll help. I'll do my best. <laughs> First of all, we have a type of fly called Drosphila bifurca. You want me to describe the fly? You could say it looks like a fly. That would... It looks like a fly. It's got a tiny Jeff Goldblum head. Uh, it hasn't, it hasn't. That's in my sexy dreams. Um, it's, uh, it's got a slightly stripy body, big, big eye. It's just like a fly, I mean. Okay, is there anything that you guys would take from this? If you're going to, you know, we're thinking of splicing life. You can take genes, you can nick anything you want now. Is there any abilities? Well, you'd take the wings, wouldn't you? Actually, Surely you... everybody wants to be able to fly. It feels like it's like an unspoken given uh, this, yeah. this whole thing. I would take quick reactions. I'm oh, that's quite, a quite very slow, good point. but I'd like to be able to respond to the world a little quicker. F flies have got things that go straight from their eyes to their muscles. So if you're trying to splat a fly, yeah. you have to do it very, very slowly. So it bypasses those reactions. Yeah. Being able to vomit on my enemies. <laughs> that, do flies do that, or is this still a... Or is, is it that still your like the David Cronenberg film? Do flies do it or does Jeff Goldblum do yeah. it? That's what you're asking. Oh, I can't speak for Jeff Goldblum, but I do think some flies do something. A lot of, um, a lot of bugs, so true sucking blood bugs, will spit into their food and digest them from the inside out and slurp it up like a kind of innocent pre-digested smoothie. Mm. So Isn't that what centipedes do? Yeah, a lot yeah. of them do. Uh, active venoms. Okay, so you're going to take that. All right. You see, the reason I chose this... Uh, any suggestions, Cam? Anything you want from it? Uh, yeah, I like the... Well, I mean, there's a fruit fly, right? So... Well, it, it's related, Ability actually. to find fruit the anywhere. Thing that, the thing that makes this one different is that it's got the biggest sperm on its planet. What? What? So, uh, I'd like to describe that to our audience, please, Daniel. <laughs> oh, hang on. So that's the sperm going around it? Yeah. Okay. It is six times the size of the fly. If this was a human, actually, if this was my sperm, to give you some scale, it would be 120 feet long. Show off. 
<laughs> um, right, so if you imagine you are the fly and you have, uh, ooh, quite a lot of, you know those strawberry bootlaces? At least 10 packs of that laid end to end in a circle around you with a big uh, globby bit at the end. The globby bit's because they give them to the females wrapped up um, so they don't come that long. Like a gift. So to speak. Well, yeah, to use in their own time. The, the, the real difference is that they, uh, so guys produce maybe millions, you know, um, enough yeah. to fertilize every woman in North America. Don't try it, okay? Whereas these guys produce maybe six at a time. Why does it look like that? Is the lady far away? <laughs> does the lady fly want to not be near the man fly and so he has to chuck it at her? Yeah, maybe wrap her up. It's like a lasso. Yeah. OK, we obviously don't want the sperm. Then. All right, <laughs> let's move on to another one. This is a slow loris. Oh. Nick, can you describe it to our audience at home? Um, it's like a, a small, cuddly thing, big eyes, um, big kind of long fingers and thumbs, um, yeah, cute little ears. What would you take from a slow loris? I, 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 I would take probably... The fact that it's adorable. That yeah, would be, I think that was, I was trying far. to find a way of saying that, yeah. The fact that the whole audience went, aw, when it appeared. That never happens to Yeah, me. they didn't just say aw when they walked in and saw us, did they? No. no. Have you all seen that YouTube video by any chance? Is that right? Yeah? No. Okay, there's a YouTube video of somebody tickling a slow loris. It's the cutest thing in the world. It's also horrible because it's prompted a massive um, pe exotic pet trade in them. Oh. And it's one of the few venomous mammals that has got poisonous elbows. So, there oh. we go. Yes, like, okay, no, let's take that. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> Screw the cuteness, let's take so the elbows. It licks its elbows and then yeah. it bites you. But it means that whenever they've been sold into the pet trade, they've been having their, it's called the tooth comb, removed and clipped oh. out. It is horrible. Please, please never, ever buy a slow loris. Okay. Does it have sticky fingers? Is it, I mean. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> but. Oh, yeah, that. Oh. Our oh. next choice, our final one, is a gecko. So, good way of bringing that up. What would you steal from this, Nick? Uh, the, the, the ability to stick onto stuff, for sure. Can you talk, anybody know anything more about these fingers, then? Because no. I think we're trying to emulate them for robots. Yeah, way, yeah, but I don't remember how they do it. I think it's, I, I want to say static electricity, but I'm not sure. It's yeah, tiny it's hairs. Van, van tiny, Vol tiny, yeah, tiny hairs of yeah. Van der forces is how they stick, isn't it? Explain those, this, please. Um, well, it's because it's, these hairs are so, so fine, and it's just the basic attraction between uh, molecules. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Good. I <laughs> do remember that correctly. <laughs> but yeah, so wait, so what do we splice together then? What do we take from the fly again? Was it the vomiting? Well, it doesn't have to be the whole creature. Or oh, we had to build a thing. No, okay, no, no. fair it, enough. It, I thought we were going to go to the lab and actually it's, build it. It's this. pick and mix, but you pay for right. it. You know, it's, okay. it's, uh, go for it as much as you want. I'd also want the slow Loris's eyes, obviously. Definitely get cast in some uh, live action manga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right then, so we have, we're going to have to get cracking because it's time that democracy works. I'm going to read out your suggestions, everyone, including the things that we might take from these animals. You're going to shout or not shout. That's how democracy really works, you know? Um, and we'll see what you're going to go for. So first of all, glow-in-the-dark genitals. Oh! <laughs> there was one lone voice. <laughs> he, wasn't, he isn't standing out. <laughs> okay, there was armadillo armor. Yeah. That was a pity vote, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're all, you know what, when someone comes at you with a gun, you're all going to wish you'd gone for it. There was automated travel. Yeah. 
that's in the lead at the moment. There was the Swiss Army elbows. Oh, should we modify that to with um, with, with poison? poison? With, with poison. Mikey? All right. Poisonous Swiss Army elbows. Poisonous Swiss Army elbows. <laughs> Sorry. Why? <laughs> I think we made the point quite clear. I think that's a, is, is that all? Well, that's equal currently to automated travel. Unisex toilets everywhere. Yeah. Where is your ambition, people? We can do that. <laughs> Okay, that's currently in the lead. <laughs> there was magnetic feet. Yeah. I've just imagined you could do like a really cool sort of cross between moonwalking and Etch-a-Sketch with that, couldn't you? That would be really amazing. <laughs> we had then uh, the Travelator with the foot wheel as another possible one from Daniel. Oh man, I am tanking it there. <laughs> okay, there was making all humans smaller. Yeah. Perverts. <laughs> um, there was oxygen producing hair. <laughs> Even he didn't go for it. And then we had gills for all. Yeah. Okay, I think that's I think actually gills. somewhere between being smaller, gills for all, unisex and unisex toilets. <laughs> so let's have a final unisex toilets. <laughs> gills for all. Yeah. Being smaller. Uh, if you're smaller, it'll mean having gills is easier. Should we put those two things together? <laughs> We're basically tadpoling ourselves. <laughs> All right, you voted for it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take that off to our boffins, who will not be able to do anything with it until technology sufficiently advances. We're working on it. But before we go, we have to say thank you, first of all, to our amazing panel. We've been joined by Daniel Ward, Cam Robinson, and Nick Hayes. Halls, sorry. We have to thank the audience here at the Science Museum for being excellent. Thank you ever so much. We'll see you sometime next week. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>